and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And yeah, welcome back, everybody, for Oh My Dear Lord, a film Friday. <laughs> it lives. It a, fi- a film Friday lives. <laughs> we've resurrected it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've Frankensteined it. We've shocked it with electricity. Very fitting for the, mm. the movie, film we're talking about today. So, eh? But yeah, no, seriously, it's been a very long time. It has. Since we've done a film Friday. I've missed Very. it. Well, we, yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> watched a lot of fun movies, but we just haven't really gotten around to doing one of these. So. And it's it's one of those things, too, where it's like when you and I watch paranormal movies or movies that have, like, sci-fi themes, there's so many different, like, points of discussion. I feel like we've almost, like, got bogged down watching the movies, and then we, like, haven't taken enough notes or any notes at all, and we just, and then we'll move on to the next movie, and there's so much information, like, lapped over from the next movie we've watched. Kind of true, yeah. And it's all thanks to Tubi, That's in large part. Shout out to Tubi. <laughs> shout New out to Tubi. Wow. That'd be, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, Actually, the Criterion Collection would be a lot cooler, but... It would. But to be. That's a little highbrow for us, so come on, let's be real. Well, true. Mm-hmm. And actually, sadly, this film that we're discussing today called Virus, which Amber's going to introduce very, uh, shortly here, mm-hmm. was one that we checked out on Tubi, on the Tubi app, yeah. which is, it's no longer there. But, well, in or at least, at least in Canada. Yeah, so, is it? Actually, I never thought of that. In I the guess States, it might be out there. Right. So... We did a post the other day. Hopefully you guys have all watched it. No spoilers. It came out in 1998, so I think we're okay. (laughs) But uh, I really enjoyed this movie, despite some other people, little people, very much disliking this film. But Amber, we're talking about Virus today. What is this about? Let's give everyone the rundown here. Sure. So, Virus, you said 1998, but I believe it was actually come, came out in 1999. Okay, okay. It's considered science-fi. Science-fi? Science, wow. Science-fi. Amber, you can't talk today. Okay. It's science fiction horror, and it's directed by a man named John Bruno. But it's a film that stars some pretty big names, and the biggest would probably be Jamie Lee Curtis, Probably tied with Donald Sutherland, I would say. Definitely. We do have a Baldwin in the mix as well. <laughs> a William Baldwin. Just which, a Baldwin. A Baldwin. Well, you know. I thought it was Alec Baldwin, the, like, for a good chunk of the movie. You thought he was, like, well, the, the timeline didn't fit. No, 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 no. It was no, no, like a young it, Alec Baldwin. Uh, yes. Come yeah. back it looked life. like Alec Baldwin from Beetlejuice. So yeah. I was just like. And the third Baldwin, yeah. I can't remember his name, but he doesn't look as similar. Like, William and Alec look a lot alike. I say Matt Baldwin, but that's not... That's a different Matt. Shout out to Matt. That's not the same. (laughs) I don't think that Matt is related to the other Baldwins. I don't think so. But shout out to him nonetheless. That would be very curious indeed. So, yeah, decent cast. I mean, Sutherland's at kind of the tail end of his action career, I would say, but uh, he's an interesting character that we'll get into in a second. We will get into that for sure, Mm -hmm. because I have some questions when we get into the, you know critique phase of the episode and uh, that goes along with the quality of acting but before we do that so this is an interesting sort of sci-fi plot here at least to us it was and maybe it's just because we're fiends when it comes to like retro stuff right now and it's kind of sad to say that 1998 or 9 depending on who you ask is (laughs) retro that is very interesting and thank you for clarifying that i mean i just did pull up a couple of different articles that had 1998 in there and maybe that was like the I don't know, maybe that's when the trailer was released or something, and then later in the year it came out in 99. Mm-hmm. But it's a 90s film. So the film picks up with the idea that there is a orbiting space station out 
in, I guess, the outer atmosphere of Earth and is connected to this Russian research vessel that is located in the South Pacific. And essentially, they've uh, been in communications. It is a research vessel, so there's a lot going on here. It's a huge ship and Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of technology and a lot of interesting stuff. And this nebulous sort of energy source seems to collide with this space station. And that's sort of the impetus of this film. And it kills the cosmonauts on the space station, seemingly, before beaming itself down to the Voklov, which is just a shortened name. I think it's the Academic Vladislav Volkov. Nice. Uh, That's that's my best pronunciation. It's good. That's that's not going to get much better. Solid. Yes. So this is essentially setting the stage for the story of a ship that is beset by a malevolent extraterrestrial entity seeking to turn humanity into cyborg slaves. Yeah, which was, I think, the quote from, like, IMDb or whatever, which is essentially the... Which I... Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that description? I don't even know if I would call it cyborg slaves yeah. because I feel like it's it's just a chop shop is mm. what it comes down to, essentially. It wants their parts. It doesn't want right. them. Uh, that's just my interpretation, though. Yeah. So, I mean, oh man, it's, it's hard to even pinpoint where to start with this because, yeah, I feel like it's like it didn't even really know what it wanted when it first got there. And when we're describing this, like, what is it? Is it a single thing? Is it multiple things? Is it like a hive mentality type of entity with, you know, various different components going on here? It's very strange. Well, because they kind of set it up when you come into the movie thinking that this is the virus. Yes, exactly. So this is kind of what they're, what you're led to believe. It's a virus. It does take over the ship entirely. And as soon as it hits, it creates chaos and essentially all their electrical systems are malfunctioning it accesses everything and starts to learn and evolve which is really cool it is but that's kind of we get a like kind of like a like cut to black and then we get the other sort of uh, introduction which would be to the host of characters uh, form basically the main casting for the episode or not the episode well for our episode <laughs> of our episode but for, yes. <laughs> for the movie <laughs> no totally mm-hmm. before we, did you want to jump right to that or do, do you no, want to maybe you discuss had a couple, couple of notes things here, first so. I mean I think one of the main things overarching for the discussion of virus um, and just this film in general is like the idea that there's so many different conversations that tie into actual paranormal discussions, like obviously UFOs and extraterrestrials for sure. That's an obvious one. But also just the weirdness of alternative life forms. It reminded me so much of the film, or not the film, oh my gosh, we're doing that today. The episode, the film, <laughs> the film X-Files, hmm. they did make movies. But the episode of X-Files, yeah. I believe called Firewalker, mm-hmm. discuss where they have the, the silicone-based yeah. life form down in the volcano. And yeah. here we have what is presumably, as it takes over the, the Russian ship some sort of an electrical based life form that's out in the universe or at least maybe it's not it, that's how it's manifested itself on their ship mm, which yeah. is just weird and maybe a discussion to be had too was it electricity before it touched the ship i don't know mm-hmm. very very there's strange. lots of sort of like uh theoretical conversations even I'm, I'm thinking back to like the whole mind body like you know dualism and Descartes and all the idea, like, you know, can the mind live separately from the body? Are these two distinct entities that coalesce together right. and coexist together? Can you separate that? And that is kind of what we're seeing here is an entity that defies the body. It, oh. it can travel and assume different forms and and take over as long as it has the trail, right? It seems yes. to need a hardwire. 
It's not a wireless. That, it needs a hard wire, quote unquote. That actually mm-hmm. plays into a discussion later, like on the ship, because it starts off as hard wiring mm-hmm. things. But that's interesting what you just said there, how it's like yeah. absent of the body, because I wrote in my notes that it just reminded me like, it's like the blob in space, but it had sort of half formed itself into the shape of like a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And that was the first discussion you and yeah. I had after the first time we watched this movie was whether or not it was shaped that way because it chose to. Or it was shaped like a craft. Like, there's the Russian cosmonaut that's looking out the window in the first scene there. Yeah. And she's, like, um, either kind of photograph it or, like, look through kind of a telescope kind of thing. And she can't tell if it's a ship or not because it's, like, half blob, half ship. Mm-hmm. And well, it's, it's like, translucent and it's exact, changing color. Right. It is very UFO-like, I guess. And so, you, and so the first thing I said to you was, like, did this thing just do this exact same thing? to a much more extraterrestrial vessel that also got mega screwed over by it washing over it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it looks kind of like a spacecraft. Different form of like, yeah. Instead of mm-hmm. just a nebulous, like, blob just kind of, like, coming at you in space. You know what I well, mean? Well, and then you also have to ask the question, too, because it, like, links into this Russian space station and transmits itself because of the connection... I know this is wireless, but it's a connection, a a telecommunication connection to the ship, and that's Mm -hmm. presumably how it's able to travel back down. But it doesn't seem to be able to break that circuit after the fact, where it can come back into this nebulous, weird spaceship blob thing and and release itself from the hard wire of the ship. So in that sense, it is kind of contained. In a certain way. Totally. Man, we're obviously excited to talk about this because we're we're jumping way ahead. So we get this beam down. So there's the first scene. It's definitely, like, grabbed our interest, even Mm -hmm. though the critical review. Maybe we should just just kick off right with that because we quite enjoyed this film, but it was definitely not enjoyed by some of the, the, the critics, like Roger... Ebert? Roger Ebert? Roger we can read the quote e. later. But it's yeah. just hilarious how into retro films we are. And obviously we're into paranormal discussions, so it's into the portal here, people. So of course it's going to get us talking about all kinds of stuff. But we're going to enjoy films like this, even if they are bad on you know yeah. film critic standards. Right, we can be a little less. So we have this first scene. The entity takes over the Russian vessel and then finds a way to beam itself down. You're, we're, we're speculating on how. And then I'm wondering if that's what caused the storm, because what we get next is the introduction to the rest of the cast, Donnie Suth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, what was his name again? It was Captain... Oh, we can pull it up in a second here. So we've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland, William Baldwin. They're the main ones. We also have Squeaky, who was mm-hmm. uh, a really hilarious character. We can come back to him. Squeaky, so he's supposed to be one of the navigators slash engineers. Uh, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is supposed to be a navigator, I believe. She's the chief navigator. She's the chief navigator. And then we have the captain, which is Donald Sutherland. Right. And then this other guy, the Baldwin, what's his character? I think he's just sort he's of like, like a deckhand workman. No, he's like an engineer too, I think. Is because he? he's Squeaky's boss, I mean, they're just on a tugboat. How many engineers do you need? Well, you have I mean, to be I, able to engineer the the rig that you're pulling. I guess they are pulling that. a massive, and that's yeah. what this rig is all about. They're uh, they're salvaging. Yeah. So that's kind of an important thing. This is kind of like the bottom feeders of the ocean world, if you think right. about it. And Donald Sutherland's character is certainly someone <laughs> that I wouldn't want to go to sea with. And it's interesting that Jamie Lee Curtis's character would want to go pursue that but she's she's just like hard af like this woman she doesn't have a single fat cell on her body let's say that chiseled she's chiseled even her face looks like it's made of granite totally i just i you know she reminds me of is mayday from uh, that bond movie yeah just ripped 
Very much so. Totally. And then the short hair really adds yeah. to it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an interesting group of characters here. And there's that other guy, too. I actually can't remember his name, but he's got all the face tattoos, and he's like a deckhand. He's like one of the lowliest ones. And he can't even swim. Can you imagine that? Like, he can't even swim? <laughs> well, maybe true? because he's injured and he's like drowning. I think that's injured. that was it. But it almost seemed like he was just like, oh shit, I'm in the water. Like, I'm gone, gone. <laughs> oh shit. Anyways, I'm that's a pretty water. early on scene. So, what we get here, like, we're getting ahead of ourselves again. Yes. We have this colorful cast of characters and they're in the middle of this massive storm. And Andrew, you're posing the question was this storm caused by the entity? Or was it caused by a natural force? Because what seemingly happens is they end up in the eye of the storm along with the ship. And so they're they're in rough sorts. Donnie Suds, his entire <laughs> life savings has been basically washed away. Well, and that was just it. So it's Captain mm. Everton. That's the name. Everton, That's, uh, So yeah. Donald Sutherland, Cap- Captain Everton. And you're like you said off the bat, it's like, who the hell would get on a boat with this guy? Not he seemed me. He seemed unhinged, mm-hmm. like the type of person that would have been unhinged on land before you got on the boat, for sure. Well, he's suicidal, too. Like, after they lose the rig that they're pulling, right. he so almost goes to commit suicide. And, and I think that was one of the, the like, the, uh, the sticking points with critics was, like, they didn't really, they didn't tee up those characters well enough for a mm-hmm. lot of people, so you didn't really get exactly, like, you understand, they're out there for a job, and then you vaguely get, you get, like, one line from uh, from the captain saying, yeah. I've sunk my whole life savings into what's on that freighter, and it, whether it was, like, a salvage thing that he purchased and that was trying to bring back to port or some or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't really know, and he's like, I'm, I'm taking you all down with me, like, I'm doing everything to save this, yeah. even though it's completely a zero out of ten possibility of you saving that yeah. freighter. yeah. One of my worst, absolute worst nightmares. Actually, yeah. okay, that's my second worst nightmare after the the situation on the Russian ship. Mm. You're in space. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> You're dead. And then the next closest <laughs> thing is basically the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which is where they are. Yeah. So we have this massive storm. They're pulling this freighter. It's they have very, to cut it loose. Yeah. It's a very isolated movie, really. It's a small cast of characters. I kind of the minute over here because it's like it's interesting now that we're talking about the whole like the limitations of travel for this entity and all this stuff. It seems to need a connection of sorts. Yes, but I'm just like Earth is pretty darn lucky it didn't hit a telecommunications satellite that's like you know spreading globally where it's like it, it could have got access to freaking everything. It would have spread like crazy. The whole exactly. Yeah, humans would have been done. Well, and that brings me back to more questions I have later, but I think we let's work our way through and then we can come back to more of this mm-hmm. what it is or isn't extraterrestrially speculation, you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's maybe skip ahead a little bit here. Um, where did you want to kind of pick up from this? Mm, talking well, about Foster, talking about... Yeah, so that's Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Right. It's just, right. We can call her Foster, even though I do like to call her Jamie Lee. But uh, she is basically the moral lead for the film. I said here, the untouchable woman, quote-unquote, so to speak. Like, you know, she's not sexualized at all, which is interesting. And you see in the very one of the very first scenes, a close-up of her, where she has mm-hmm. her cross necklace. Like, she's she is the holy woman, so to speak. Like, yes. she might as well be a nun. Like, like <laughs> In a way, she's <laughs> no like, getting past that. she's the moral leader and the yeah. actual leader. The actual The only leader, line yeah. in the entire movie that was, like, quote-unquote, like, sexualizing Foster was, like, I think there was one line when Squeaky, which is... Oh, I can't remember the uh, 
I gotta pull up the actor who plays him. He's a super famous uh, Cuban actor. He's in a bajillion movies, mm. and he's mm-hmm. awesome. He's talking to William Baldwin's character, and they make a comment like, "You don't think she's hot?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course I do," or like something along those mm. lines. But they're kind of like keeping it to themselves because they're intimidated by her too. Yeah. So I liked that. That, and I guess Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of the perfect character for that. She is. She's that in a lot of sci-fi and mm-hmm. horror and action type movies where she does have this quote-unquote sex appeal, but she's also like often kind of the leader, the main person. And she ends up mm. punching Everton in the face later in the movie and is like, you are no longer in charge. Yes. <laughs> I think is actually is one of great. my favorite scenes. I think it's probably one of my favorite scenes as well. Yeah. There's a lot of juicy moments in this movie. For sure. But Literally back- juicy too. A couple of them. Like, Some of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so let's get back to the, the tugboat. There's this epic storm going on. They've got this huge like cargo ship that they're attached to and it breaks off and that's the whole impetus behind uh, the captain wanting to kill himself he's like basically i have nothing to live for yeah meanwhile so he's kind of sequestered in his little cabin and then meanwhile foster picks up a ship on their radar yeah and it's the ship the russian vessel and so they start trying to reach out to this vessel and they're not getting any response. And so they decide they're just going to go check it out. And upon arrival, oh, the captain's prayers are answered. Because this is basically the payload of a century. Right. Like, the, if they bring this back as a salvage vessel, they're looking at, I think they say $30 million. 10% lean on a $300 million yeah. ship. Is there, was <laughs> so 30 mil to split, like, seven ways or something like that. Which yeah. is ridiculous. So... Things are seemingly coming around for the captain until they actually end up boarding this vessel. And it's actually really creepy because this is a huge ship and it's abandoned seemingly. There's a lot of evidence of trauma and violence, but not a lot of bodies. There's which, no bodies. Exactly. There's blood. There's, there's zero there's, bodies. There's blood and there's evidence of violence, but there's no bodies, yeah. which is freaky. Yes. So they start to explore this vessel and obviously they <laughs> split up. Classic movie scenario. And meanwhile, so they've got basically, yeah, a whole cast of characters. Like they've got the two that end up exploring the whole depths of the ship. And then they also have uh, Foster and the captain kind of more so in like the main hold area. Yeah. And things start to devolve pretty quickly, hey? Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. the first fatality, and you know what? It's, it's technically not a fatality, but the first person <laughs> who gets sent off on their own, why would mm-hmm. anybody be sent on their own on an abandoned Russian vessel where there's blood spl- splattered across mm-hmm. all the doors and all this kind of crazy stuff? Yeah. Uh, squeaky. Julio Oscar Mechoso, that's the actor's name. I don't know if anyone recognizes that. You would definitely recognize his face Mm because this guy's in a ton of stuff, including Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which we just watched recently. (laughs) But he plays Squeaky, and Squeaky gets sent to, I believe, the engine room. Yeah, they're trying to get the engines maybe working or just see what's gone wrong with the ship. Meanwhile, they are trying to find a power source because the entire ship's been powered down. Yes. So that too. And this is like the classic horror sci-fi movie scenario where you have a character who's on their own. They're clearly a side character. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're transported into a film, you need to do you need to pull a George Costanza and always do the opposite of whatever these characters are doing in the situation. Mm-hmm. He's by himself. And is it kind of like an intended pun that his name's Squeaky and he starts hearing this kind of like this like Mm. squeaking, this like mechanical squeaking and then sticks his head into a vent? Yeah. Why? So anyway, he's just curious, I guess, right? This is the first, this is like the first image we get of this bizarre spider legged 
machine. It's like a half spider, half crab yeah, type Yeah, crab, machine spider machine. Why is the this gatherers is what they're called. Right. The they're first just, gen. <laughs> they're moving around the ship gathering important materials and information. And what kind of materials? It gets pretty nasty, actually. So that is a cool thing to talk about, it too. Is. So, so mm-hmm. Squeaky gets, gets yanked down the shaft. We don't yeah. really know what's happened to Squeaky. But we get this first glimpse that what you just called the first generation, which yeah. is bizarre because it's only been a few days on the Eight ship. Eight days or nine, Just over maybe. a week. Mm-hmm. And they've already gone through, I mean, what would what we would consider as humans as essentially like, like full, mm-hmm. full eras of civilization. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For itself. It's yeah. just learning so quickly. It is learning quick, it so rapidly. We see that in the very first scene, even when the Russians are taken over on the ship. And it starts just scanning rapidly all their documents, all yeah. their information. And it just grows rapidly. And that's, and it's crazy. You made the note, I think it's further on. But, so they come on the ship and everything's powered down. So, of course, they try to find the power source and power back up. Mm. And as soon as they power back up, this thing powers back on and starts Again, trying to mess with the ship, trying to learn. It obviously sees, because it has the cameras everywhere, it can see that there's more people on board that are living, breathing humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make sure they don't get away. And that's where the anchor scene comes in, which is actually a really pivotal scene, too. Because this changes everything for them in the sense that they lose their tugboat. So what happens is, basically, it hacks into the mainframe. And (laughs) while there's still people on board the tugboat, and they're still exploring. There's, like, you know, various crews in and around the boat. They all of a sudden, out of nowhere, see the anchor just released. No one seemingly released it. Right. But they're not suspicious yet. So the anchor drops through the tugboat, creates this huge havoc, obviously sinks the tugboat. So yes. now they don't even have a tugboat. Now they're stuck on the ship. They got to power it back on. Exactly. But they've already powered it back on, obviously. Or, well, they, they got to drive the it. Yeah, they got to move all that. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Power the and engines so, on. And so then it becomes a case of, like... Because in order to salvage something, this is an important point we need to mention here. In order to salvage something, the entire crew has to be dead or missing. Or missing, yeah. So then they're, like, starting to panic. So they're like, okay, we're there's someone on board that's messing with us. So <laughs> they have to find this person and presumably either kill them or throw them overboard <laughs> to get their $30 million. <laughs> think, about the, think about how spooky just that would be, too. It's like mm. it's one thing to... To show up on a completely abandoned ship and be like wondering and speculating why it's abandoned—that's yeah. terrifying. That's but then for there to crew. be like just this one little flicker of life and you don't know what that is on the ship—that's mm-hmm. that's pretty spooky. Something unexplainable is going on. Yeah. Mm. So we have Everton, Captain Everton. We have Foster, and we have Steve. I think still on the bridge, or at least Foster and Everton, and then Steve's looking for Squeaky or something at this point. Steve. Richie and, and that's Woods. Baldwin, right? That's Baldwin, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like too cliche of a Steve name. Steve Baldwin. It's too close. It's like guys. <laughs> that just sounds like it should be his name. Anyway. Steve. <laughs> the other two guys, the other two characters, we have Richie and Woods. We actually don't really know at this time that Richie is actually like an ex-Navy engineering specialist. Mm-hmm. He just seems like he's kind of like a like out for a joyride, and he's like looking around on the ship. He's like that classic character that's like, why are you having fun right now? This is not fun. You, you mean, were, so Richie's the guy that's super curious about all the yes. little machines. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. And then Woods is like the older Woods, guy who's just yeah. like, oh, let's get out of here, Richie. Yeah, and like, you know okay. that guy's demise and is coming he's, soon. he's being made to carry all the guns that they find. In the, <laughs> yeah, just loading them up. Which is apparently the whole vessel's supposed to be unarmed, but there's a butt fuck ton of guns, <laughs> including <laughs> missiles, too. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, they were, they were gathered up. 
I mean, Sorry, excuse my language, people. That's all good. They're gadded up. I mean, they did read it it's off. It's not read like, a movie. They so. didn't have armaments like the ship, like like mounted armaments, but they had obviously like handheld weapons yeah. or whatever. But this was this was a really significant point in the movie because they have these guys, Richie and Woods. They're looking around the ship, and at this point, we still don't know that there's this biological component going on here. Mm-hmm. It just seems like purely electrical. Something's taken over and is building these weird robots, and maybe yeah. we're gonna run into like robot. Robot monsters, you know, mm-hmm. not monsters, just robots, like Terminator yeah. style. You exactly. know what I mean? Like coming mm-hmm. at you. But they kind of run into something that uh, is a little bit more nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to maybe introduce Nadia before we get to that? So basically they find this workroom. Like mm-hmm. you, you can get into it in two seconds. Richie and Woods, they walk into this room. They turn turn it back on because the ship's been powered back on at this point. So they flick the switch. Yeah. And all these mechanical arms start moving again and are building these, like... I'm trying to remember what movie it was reminding me of. There's another film where it's, like, that very similar scene where it's, like, light switch turned back on and just bizarre little little creatures are being made. Yeah. What the hell is I, I that? honestly... I if anyone listening, comment, like, on Instagram or wherever we post for this episode and, like, if you can think of that. Mm. But anyway, bizarre scene. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine walking into that room? Freaky, man. And then they turn off the power and then it powers itself back on. Yeah. Which is even weirder. And of course... And they all start, you know, doing their little things. And then, and then Richie, he ends up peeking back through the door. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and then he just continues on. He's like, okay. Yeah. So meanwhile, we've got the... Uh, so Jamie Lee's character is essentially... She's going to take on the medic. She's the first aid attendant. Boom. Because there's this guy that's been injured in the tugboat accident. And that's the guy that I mentioned earlier that seems like the deckhand. He doesn't seem very experienced. And he's got a lot of tattoos on his face, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, who was that? What it was his character's like, name? Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, it's not super important because he doesn't stick around for very long, I'll say that much. No. And he is the one that's brought into, like, the sick bay, and she's going to, like, you know, clean him up and everything. So the whole crew goes down there except for the people that are out exploring the rest of the ship. Right. And that's where we get this epic moment where she's trying to, like, you know, clean him up, bandage the wound, all this stuff. And then out of nowhere, this uh, gas-masked person comes just banshee-ing out of the, like, lockers that are in the room, in the medical room, and basically just starts spraying them with machine gun fire out of nowhere. And so everyone just ducks and covers. No one's hurt. No no one's even hit, which is kind of funny. And and then they knock out this person, only to discover that it's a woman, uh, the sole survivor of the ship, Nadia. And so this is, she's actually introduced in the very first scene, too, where she's playing chess with one of the uh, cosmonauts. And then that's when it hits. And she, I can't remember how they describe her role. She's like the chief engineering officer. She's like the systems engineer for the vessel. Yeah, something like something that. Something along those lines. Something pretty important. I think this was another scene that critics did not like. I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. But there was a handful of things that were a little bit strange. Why are you wearing a gas mask? Mm-hmm. That just seems a little unnecessary for yeah. just like dramatic effect because they needed it to be like, who is this under here? Yeah. Let's rip a mask off of her. Mm-hmm. But she knew the entity she was dealing with was making itself a biological one, which we'll get to in a sec, but it wasn't like an airborne biological agent or anything. So it didn't really make a lot of sense for you to impair your vision. Mm -hmm. That was just strange. And then also the dialogue leading up to that too, where it's literally like the classic, like everyone's talking about what are you going to do with your cut of the 30 million? Just kind of like a very cliche conversation. It yeah. was, and it was very quick. Like mm-hmm. they were like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to build a school. 
Like the guy who was injured mm. just sitting there, like, I'm gonna start a school. Yeah, you know, it's like a little dream I had or whatever. And then, <laughs> and then just well, like, then Jamie gunfire. makes a comment. She's like, Well, I don't have mine yet, so I'm not even gonna. Yeah, speculate. because she doesn't think they're making it out of there. She's mm. the only rational one. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so, too. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So, but this is okay. So, we've introduced Nadia now. Yeah. They're in the medical room. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Richie and Woods are still moving through the ship, and this is where we get the introduction to the biological side. Mm-hmm. They don't actually know it, but they get shot at. So Richie gets shot by one of the just straight-up little mini-robots who has a nail gun, like, mounted yeah. to the top of it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clearly a first-gen of this r- entity's creations. Oh, totally, yeah. And then what appears to be a full-out human, or humanoid... Like the silhouette appears in the yeah. distance. Like I actually quite liked how they shot that. Yeah, that where was it's just like this massive hulking kind of Terminator looking thing, but yeah. also like very human like mm-hmm. because it's made out of one. Mm-hmm. Very st- <laughs> freaky man, like Doctor mm-hmm. Moreau times a thousand basically. Yeah, so they're getting shot at by this thing, and then it comes up. It they they dodge it. They end up getting shot at by it again once they bump into Steve. And they take it down and drag whatever this is back to the bridge. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the introduction to, like, this is not just some sort of a, quote-unquote, computer virus, Mm -hmm. which is what the title and the entire first quarter of the movie leads you to believe. Yeah. But it's actually developed into something much more. Much more. It's taken on its own course of evolution, essentially. And whether or not this is the whole entity or, or like, a random appendage or, like, you know what I mean? It is taken on this full force evolution, which is pretty crazy. And it's super rapid too. It's only like day nine, like we said. So do you want to get into the whole scene? Like what they've actually uncovered here? Because they have Nadia now. She's in the bridge. She's actually obviously in custody at this point because she's very Mm -hmm. volatile. Yeah. And then they get the introduction of the first cyborg. So they drag this Mm -hmm. body into the bridge, flop it down, and it ain't dead yet. No. And Richie is kind of poking around in the brain. Mm-hmm. And he cuts it open. Yeah. This was a, this was definitely a turning point because, okay, you're we realize that this entity is not only learning and scanning the ship for all its information on, on all medical information, like how to basically vivisect humans and keep them alive and use the brain and keep the cerebral cortex intact and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Crazy. Yeah. But they also built advanced chip technology to plant into organic material yeah. so he cuts open the brain and there's like this it looks like it looks like my eye apple watch yeah. it's like a, it's literally like a little square apple watch stuck in there steve yeah. jobs face just pops up and is like hey we're helping the virus because that's basically what it looks like <laughs> yeah totally and that is what is keeping this organic material the biological material that from the humans from decaying mm-hmm. presumably so well, you have literally, yeah. literally this vivisected human. Mm-hmm. It is half machine, half flesh, mm-hmm. which from a structural standpoint, I'm kind of wondering where there, where, why wouldn't you just use the brain? Why are you keeping the thighs just for aesthetic? <laughs> I'm not sure unless this is Hussein Bolt's thighs. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, is there yeah. any, like, is there really some tangible benefits to this? Maybe there is. It seems to like the skin too. It makes them for like the flying creatures. Like it's like the wings. Oh and yeah. Like that. That's the, okay. Really so weird. actually I lied. Th- mm-hmm. That was not the first Intro- introduction to the biological they agents. They did have a flying I made, one. Yes, yeah. I, I actually had this note in here and I missed it. It was that line, that really creepy line from Woods where he's like, that thing smells like shit, Richie. Mm-hmm. And it's he's holding it and it's literally like a robot dragonfly. Yeah. And I'm like, why would a robot smell that bad? 
exactly. and you're looking at the wings and it's like that looks like something from buffalo bill's living room yeah totally because it is it might have been <laughs> you continuing on and that's what we've got here it's essentially yeah half human half machine this was probably my favorite quote of the movie. It's like when Nadia is explaining this evolution of the life force or the virus, she says it's a biomechanism beyond our comprehensions. And that like really adequately sums up the super unique concept of life. And right. it's, it, like I said, it's just adapting itself constantly, physically, electrically. And we see so many examples of that, so the, the generations of it, totally. all in a matter of, it's like literally like God creating the world where it's like, it happened in seven days. Well, isn't, <laughs> like, you know, but isn't that an interesting conversation happens. to be had here too? It's like our perception of time mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. Here's an entity that has taken over and it's doing all this stuff in such, what we perceive as, perceive as this rapid period of time. Mm-hmm. But it's all just, just, yeah, just like completely different perception. That's like, that's back to the coronavirus discussions, mm-hmm. <laughs> perception of time. Mm-hmm. But one of the most messed up parts about the introduction to the cyborg was that it was actually Nadia's husband. husband. <laughs> That is some gnarly stuff. She realized that it's actually Alexei, who was the captain of the ship. And uh, she actually goes up and is like, Alexei? And because she sees the ring still on his finger, which is actually kind of interesting Mm. because that's another kind of uh, uh, symbolic thing Mm -hmm. that whereas you have Jamie Lee with the cross we have some comparisons to the film The Abyss mm-hmm. with the water-based life forms. We're talking silicone-based life form from X-Files, now electrical-based life form. And then you've got this cyborg where it's presumably taken over its brain. It's got its special little alien Apple Watch mm-hmm. in there doing its thing. But it still has the ring on. Like, is the, yeah. is the essence of Alexei still that? Is the soul of Alexei still fighting against well, every seems, single thing that's happening to him right now? It seems to be the case where they do have some sort of common sentience or some common memory because we get that with the example of Alexei, I would say, to a mm-hmm. certain degree. He's pretty far gone. But yeah. then we see it again very shortly after this scene when they see Squeaky again. Right. And that's a very telling moment because up until then, I feel like they're still not willing to accept Nadia's explanation for what has happened or what is happening. No, Everton and, says and she's very, crazy. Like, exactly. Like, she's full on bonkers, whatever. Get her to the nut house. Like, we're, you know, whatever. He will totally dismiss her till the cows come home. But, well, he's trying to build that up as his Foster. basis for, like, taking the ships. Like, she's exactly. crazy, so that's exactly. my justification. Exactly, totally. And then Foster, obviously, taking her more seriously and wants to know what the heck happened here because... You don't just have a crew of, I think they said over 700 people, uh, just vanish, which has seemingly happened to this crew. And so that was one of her first questions, like, what did happen? Obviously, we had some deserters, is what Nadia said, but a lot of them were killed by, like, various things. So this ship is learning quickly, and it's learning how to kill human beings, and it wants to take care of the crew as quickly as possible. I think she said over 400 of them died uh, just due to inhalation of toxic fumes because it set off all of the uh, fire extinguishers or something like that. Right. And that's a really interesting, clever way to kill a lot of people at once. Get a lot of material to work with, if you know what I mean. Stockpile your uh, toolbox for sure. Yeah. You would imagine, though, like that workroom would be so bacteria-filled and just so bloody disgusting that those two like Woods and Richie would not have even been able to step foot in there like you know what I mean like there's no way no they walk in like wow this is so interesting it would have been the most rank smelling place and not to mention like wouldn't that have been like the whole ship probably would smell 
of death. Mm, yeah. Of like, <laughs> How could of you avoid that? Unless it's really cold. Horror and death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, we made that comment watching too. It's like, okay, you guys, you created this fancy computer chip to like keep the flesh from decaying, I guess. But the, is it also just naturally antibacterial, antimicrobial, whatever else? Right? I don't using know. Using like, lasers it's like, to like make things sanitary maybe? Because they clearly didn't take any of the supplies from the medical room. We go to, we go there yeah, and exactly. Foster's opening the cupboards and smelling, you know, to make sure it's, you know, rubbing alcohol or peroxide or mm. whatever. The, the little mini reconnaissance robots hadn't gathered any of that material for any of their vivisecting tasks. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a curious, curious thought. I guess it had only <laughs> been eight days. So maybe none of these infections had really done anything yet. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good point too. Maybe it would have eventually destroyed itself. That's okay. Eventually destroyed itself. Maybe. Just give us more time, guys. Just wait it out. Let's let's touch on um on Squeaky and Alexei though for a second here and like just the fact that they may or may not not still have had some like consciousness, right? Because clearly Squeaky kind of does. He does. He's yeah. wandering you around and he's saying, Steve like as if he mm-hmm. doesn't know what's happening to him, right? Yeah, like his body's being taken over. And I think like to me, if I was gonna have a major bone to pick with the film, I feel like they didn't necessarily emphasize or have the dialogue to build up enough of the body horror because that was actually like, for me, the horror aspect of this movie is the body horror. Like this would have been a great film to cover in our, our 355 class, like post-humanism and horror in Mm -hmm. in university because it talked about a lot of that stuff, like, you know, Frankenstein and body horror and and different things. Yeah, totally. Mind body dualism and gendered identity. Yeah. But the idea of just... Dr. Moreau, we read the, in that class as well. The post-human just, Exactly. Form, so yeah. that's kind of mm-hmm. what Squeaky is. It's like you're, he's a post-human, but it's totally against his will, and your mm-hmm. consciousness is like half there. You call him post or trans? Hmm. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting That idea. is the nightmare for me of the movie. It really is. Right? Like, not them running around the ship escaping these things. That's yeah, scary. That's thriller. Yeah. There's not really a lot of, like, jump out scare moments, though. It is more about the whole idea of, like, the concept being scary. I think, yeah, you're totally right. The, the body, it's unimaginable. And I think we should go, let's go through some of our favorite scenes. We've, we've covered enough of, like, the basis of the film that I think we can get to this now. The, we've kind of teed up the whole, uh, the unfortunate demise of Woods, I guess. So there's a scene with Richie coming back, and no one really knows what to make of this, because they're like, this is the first time they've seen one of their own transformed into one of these entities or yeah. creatures or whatever you want to call it. These mutants. But it's almost stunning to them, and in that moment we see Woods falter, and he ends up getting picked up by Squeaky. <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments. It's really cheesy, really classic. He basically just picks him up like he's like a two-year-old, just goes, hoist hoist him up in the air. <laughs> and there's like the main creature behind him. And he just literally just goes, does like the classic just punch. It's like he's like a karate master and he's punching through like a piece of the wood. wood and it's just like, it literally he's punching through wood. It's like a perfect, <laughs> yeah, there you go, great pun. And it's literally like a perfect hole straight through his torso, just yeah. like, with like, like and then you see like through. the guts kind of falling back in and all this stuff. It's hilarious, but you're just like, oh wow, so that happened. Okay, yeah. So this is real. Okay. Yes. That was and we're one lucky of my we have moments. like obviously the acting chops of 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 Jamie Lee Curtis and the whole cast in general too, because it's, you know a lot of scenes like that could be made very very bad. <laughs> you know what <laughs> it I mean? was. It's like, it was so bad. It was good. <laughs> In a way, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like 70s <laughs> cheese bad where it's just, oh my gosh, he just got 
killed yeah his torso. I guess there was a <laughs> like, little bit more some, some genuine fear and emotion from that was like the response to that but that's definitely one of my favorite scenes too because that was just like pure awesome oh, huh. sci-fi oh, gore yeah 100% gotta love that what was one of your favorites I think one of my favorites too and uh, and and it's also like important to the plot and everything too is basically Everton just giving up so yeah. he he gets punched by Foster he had a gun he was pointing a gun in his face before they realized there was a Russian ship to check out so he was already caught about to call it a day. Yeah. And then he gets punched in the face by a woman, and I guess that was him call- He was like, I've got, I can't, where can I go from here? <laughs> I'm I'm going to just waltz into this room, tell them I'm Everton, well, I'm the dominant life force. The, yeah. So that's He's actually kind of weird He's still trying to be the leader. So they're He's communicating still. with it on this, on a computer, basically. Yeah. They're typing to communicate with this mm-hmm. thing. Very 90s vibes. Yeah. Th- th- he wasn't a part of that. It was the rest of the group trying to figure things out. Then they leave him. They're like, screw this guy. And so he, he types it, it in. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Because he yeah. just convinces it. He's like, I am the dominant life form. Well, it sees Everton like right away in the cameras. As soon as they board the ship, it right. zeroes in on him. And then it zeroes in on his name tag, Everton. Yeah. Like, but right. they just accept... They just accept them. It's like, did they? Does this entity have capabilities beyond the hard wiring into the ship and it building these machines and mm. and gaining knowledge? Because that's like a straight up like human judgment call. Like that's a gut call. You know what I mean? Like that's not something like for them for the camera to pan over to Everton. Look at this guy. He types this message into the machine. But they still are just like, yeah, this guy's got nothing to nothing to lose, nothing to live for. Let's take him. Let's 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 use him for, to our advantage. Maybe Come on in. This is freaky, man. What if what if it's collectively fused all the consciousnesses of its victims into its own memory and can kind of take on a humanistic approach to rationalizing and decision making because it has absorbed. That is interesting. That. You know That's I mean? interesting. So in that sense, it's very much like the entity in the movie The Thing. Yeah. Right? Where it's like it takes the over the dog, the the other characters, and it knows all their it has other memories, yeah. their their speech, their mm-hmm. their cadence, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It can mimic everything. So that kind of makes me wonder, is it something similar to that? This blob that took over the original Russian ship in the beginning, is it only Basically manifesting itself as this electrical thing just because that happened to be the easiest way for it to to take over the ship and potentially take over the world and just survive. Mm-hmm. And if it showed up on another planet where electricity didn't exist at all and it was just like dinosaurs or something, would it pull a full out the thing and just in, infest in a totally different way? <laughs> Weird. Who knows? Because otherwise knows? it's literally just a blob of electricity floating through the universe that has, a, that has a consciousness and... What if and that blob just, like, randomly, like, collided with the sun? Ooh. You're going to take over the sun. I think it has more <laughs> more consciousness than that, though. I still think it's very interesting, the, the premise that it did latch onto this Russian cosmonaut station. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's very convenient for the rest of humanity, let's say that. <laughs> no, absolutely very convenient for the rest of humanity. So let's go back to the captain for a second here, because I think we touched on some of it, but... Going back to the idea of memory and collectivizing its victims and even just its victims living autonomously to a certain extent, that's kind of what we see with the captain. He is sort of transplanted. He basically, this is is messed up, man. He consents to his head being cut off and put on the body of a pre-existing creation that he actually sees in the workshop as he's having the initial conversation with this a virus or entity or whatever, which is really it's messed beyond, up. It's He's beyond like, oh, unhinged. That's interesting. Mm. It's beyond unhinged. The yeah. guy's just in there and like, huh? Yeah. 
And yeah, yeah. He's, in like, all he's fairness, on a tour of like how it's made. That's kind of yeah. It's, it's it's the most unbelievable to me out of the whole thing. Obviously, beyond just the basic premise of the plot, but <laughs> but it's it's unfathomable to think that you would consent to that slash be okay with that slash. What is your end game? You're just, you're totally giving up because it, it essentially is asking him to help it. What are you getting out of this? I don't understand. Yeah, man. Are, are you gonna end are up you gonna back live on? Forever? Sh- you thought this you is were- gross. You want to be this thing? Yeah. Like you were like this mutant freak that's like rotting and like has all these weird. Par- Anyways, I just like. I think he literally just wanted to screw over the rest of the crew. He's I think he did too. Like, yeah. Whatever. I just. He's wanna- like, I'm done with you guys. We're, we're not getting out of this. Like this. This, yeah. this is the dominant life form. I've basically given up. <laughs> just- but then, like you're. And he wants to screw Jamie Lee. I think yeah. he hates her, and he's yeah. just like he was well, hating on that. Yeah. You hit your superior officer <laughs> or whatever. He like yells at her or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that kind of coming back to your point you made before, is this sort of like a dualistic thing where the en- this this entity has like a gathered uh, consciousness from like the entire Russian crew that it's already like messed with, plus now squeaky whoever else, right? So is this Everton kind of like 50-50? It's like douchebag Everton who's super pissed, but also the, the entity, entity kind of like, hmm. you know, willing yeah. itself through his own hatred of whatever. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. Or is it literally just they're like, did they just suited him up and said, go for it. Yeah. He could have gotten on a boat on someone else's boat and just gone off as a cyborg for the rest of his days. Could've. Like that's, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen. Not on Jamie Lee's watch. And how, how does the power stay? Like, is it just self-generating these freestanding cyborgs? Because the robots at the beginning have like yeah. a hard wire. Yeah. They're like walking through and there's like a line attached to them. Right. Hmm. And of course, when they first get on the ship, Nadia, she powered it all down. Mm-hmm. It's all powered down. I'm hiding in a closet. We have to keep it powered down. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that this thing literally is an electrical entity or does, and it would eventually die or would it literally be forever dormant? Like the power's yeah, just dormant. shut off. So or, it's dormant for forever. Or you have to fry it. You literally have to just like, like, you know, just juice the circuits till they fry. And then that's it. Like literally fry the main board, man. Fry the main board. Man. <laughs> Maybe that would just juice it though. I mean, this mm. thing loves electricity. Maybe. And that was kind of the one the connecting points here, like I was trying to make, like when I was looking at this and making my notes where it's like, we have this biological component, but then also this very x files other type of life form component, mm-hmm. the electrical, the silicone, the whatever, the water-based life form, like from the abyss or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there's definitely a connection here. Obviously we, and like our consciousness and everything we do is based off of this electrical connections in our brain, the synapses in our brain. Mm-hmm. So we might say that in essence, you know, we are obviously based on electricity. Our consciousness is based on electricity. And is this was bizarre. I don't want to get too into this because this is an entire episode in and of itself. But when I looked into it, I literally just Googled. I was like, electrical based life forms. Mm-hmm. After that, the Firewalker episode we watched the other day, yeah. the silicone based one. And there are bacteria that essentially feed off of pure electrons. Really? They are, they, they live off of pure electricity, quote unquote, like, so to speak. Electrons. And so it's not a full, it's not like a whole nucleus of a cell. Yeah, exactly. Or not a cell, but you know what I mean? So like, this is from newscientist.com. We can come back to this on another episode because I feel like it deserves like a full investigation, but it, it kind of showed me, it proves that there are obviously like a lot of the things we discuss in the paranormal where it's like, here's something paranormal and it's real, but it's this microscopic organism in the bottom of a cave that does it Mm, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like this too, but here's like the names of them are, there's two types, uh, Shiwanella 
and Geobacter. And basically, biologists are trying to find more of these in different types of marine mud and deep, deep sedimentary rocks hmm. by basically juicing these, uh, subs- these, these territories with electricity, like coaxing out these microorganisms wow. with electricity. So that kind of like just got me thinking. It's like, you, we have no idea what is out there in deep space. This thing was floating out towards... I mean, obviously, this is a sci-fi movie, people, but we're into the portal. We're discussing the connections to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely a connection to real biology and also, like, the real-world paranormal. Parabiology. Could there be the, the types of other life forms out there? Because mm-hmm. whenever we think about that, it's, like, extraterrestrials, greys, you know, whatever other, like, alien life forms. But this, to me, is so much more interesting. Completely other types of life. Mm-hmm. Not just like bipedal, something that may or may not breathe oxygen, but kind of looks like us and is humanoid. Like completely different. Yeah. Unfathomably different. The uncanny, man. Or the opposite, I the guess. The opposite of the uncanny, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to just cover here. I had like a side note, and it's still on the topic of the entity or whatever, but I just want to talk about because like we were like, what is this? Is it a life form at all? Right. Is it a virus? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what? Because like you go over this and... I'm talking like grade eight biology or something like that, where they come, they give you the example. Fire. Is it alive? Oh, right. let's go through the seven different characteristics or or criteria, mm-hmm. so to speak, of a life form or an organism that makes it living, essentially. And this was the, the I don't even know if this is what I really remember from, I think they've updated this since I was in grade eight biology, but what it listed here. And I did have, oh, I think you copy-pasted, oh, shoot, I lost the link. Anyways, I don't know where it's from, but um, I'm hoping it's legit. (laughs) So, it said here, the seven characteristics of what make an organism living are environmental responses, cells, which that's new to me, Mm -hmm. change in growth, reproduction, complex chemistry, which is kind of questionable. I was like, I feel like they're single cell organisms. Is that complex chemistry? I don't know. Yeah. Homeostasis and energy processing. Right. So homeostasis is the idea that you could like rest, I guess. That sort come of thing. Come to a state of rest. Actually, yes. I ain't no scientist. So if you have a better <laughs> definition of that, come at us. <laughs> but I was like, you know, this thing does cover most of the bases. I don't, complex chemistry. Like, I don't know if I would kind of like, it would be some sort of complex things mm-hmm. going on there but it might be more electrical based like you were going back to right the environmental responses that's definitely one that we can tick that box for sure change in growth 100 percent. it is constantly evolving mm-hmm. reproduction it i don't even know if i'd call it reproduction or extending itself you know what i mean like we're it's it's just a yeah, yeah, it's it's just like uh, it's not even like a replic replication or um, like an amoeba. It's kind of more just like it's a using, general wave. It's using the materials around it, which makes it more virus. like Yeah, and everything's just kind of covered by yeah. it. You know what I mean? Rather than it being like stages of replication per yeah. se. And then the one thing that's very questionable to me when it comes to this exact movie is the energy processing. Because, like we go back to, and we are having some difficulties here, we're not suspending our disbelief, so to speak. It's like the energy processing. So what, besides energy, like, you know, electricity, I should say, what's fueling the organic side of this? Because you need food. You need, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just expect biological things to just function without 
but fuel. It, yeah. It was almost you know? like, and this, uh, again, a bone to pick from critics, like they kind of just vaguely gave us the sense that this thing had learned so much from all this information on this advanced scientific research vessel that it had taken it all and was now expounding on it and coming mm. up with its own theories, answers. its own answers. Yeah. It had figured out its own way of preserving this material, probably without it being nourished or fed quote unquote mm-hmm. and like that was like the implant in the brain like there was no even like tubes like you see in like alien or like, you know what i mean like where it's like there's like things being juiced into it the rea- you know? the, the actual <laughs> like the logistics the logistics and the and juicing. the uh it was pretty juicy Anyways, those cyborgs <laughs> were juicy yeah alexi was a juicy cyborg yeah and then a- he had like that mini um chest burster thing that like popped out Remember that where like his his skull essentially split, right? And then this mini thing that was that we should have mentioned that in our favorite scenes or moments. Well, you that just was definitely did. One of them. Is that one of your favorite Son scenes or moments? There you go. Well, one thing I feel like we should mention too is like whether or not hypocritical or not for this entity. It essentially we get the the title drop. You know the classic when you get the title of a film in the film mm-hmm. from the entity itself. Yeah, it says humans are. Virus. Virus. Yeah, exactly. So it sees them as the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic. Mm-hmm. Very but it's then also using it, <laughs> using them directly, like mm-hmm. to its own ends, mm-hmm. which humans have only done with viruses, and like just to straight up kill stuff, which I guess it's kind of doing. are usually the host, though, unless you look at us as like a, a species wide organism, mm-hmm. then we're very virus like. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, yeah, worth worth noting, worth noting. <laughs> so I quite liked this. I think we're kind of getting down to the end here. Mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoyed this film because yeah, I'm a too. sucker for 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s sci-fi horror films. 100%, yeah, the cheesier the better. And animatronics, hello, yeah. like, I love that. It and was that was one creative. of the That was one of the big ups for the movie, the even sets, from the critics. Yeah. The set was All really the cool. the technology from that, And yeah. the CGI for the late 90s was actually really good. Yeah. It was, it's honestly way better than a ton of movies in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch Virus 1999 and then watch Scorpion King or something like that, and that CGI, just brutal difference yeah. for, um, oh, yeah. so it was actually quite good. And, but that was kind of one of the only positive critical responses from it because it was found to be relatively derivative of other themes. Yeah. That's kind of the classic sort of, you know, an alien takes over a, a vessel, you're trapped <laughs> on there, what have you. We've had this mm-hmm. theme a million times over. So I think you could say that about any of those types of movies, except for, what, the first three that have ever come out, so to speak. It's derivative of something. I guess. It's inspired by something. Everything's derivative of something. But I think it just wasn't entertaining enough to some critics because uh, they were watching it right there in 99 and not... uh, in 2023, mm-hmm. when it seems a lot cooler. Yeah. Seems a lot cooler. But, I mean, it did have some similarities to other movies. Like, the one big one that was mentioned a bunch in different articles I was reading was Deep Rising. Yeah. Uh, one year earlier, 98. Maybe that's actually why I was thinking 98, so forgive me, everybody. But Deep Rising, similar plot, ship, you know, alien entities. We still haven't mm-hmm. seen it. We should watch it. Potentially cover Deep Rising, but... Oh, I thought we did see Deep Rising. Anyways, we'll have to revisit that one. What would you... I I wanted to honestly just, like, what would you give this film, then? You enjoyed it as a rating out of 10. What would you give it? 
I think I would give it a six and a half out of ten. Mm. I, I was entertained the entire time. It was relatively predictable, but there was definitely scenes I didn't Not expect. Not a desert island movie for Andrew. No. Well, <laughs> but Woods getting punched through was really fun. I think uh, Everton turning himself into a cyborg was very entertaining. Yeah. I think generally the set was just awesome. I really enjoyed them going through the bowels of the ship. That was one thing. The quality of the set was interesting. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, you know, like, there are some... As far as the quality of acting goes, like, I'd say it's probably one of Donnie Suh's weakest films. It was kind of a poor performance it from It was. Sutherland. It seemed very one-note from him. It was not entirely his fault. I mean, whatever. He's yeah, just reading the lines. Maybe he's just a little but. burnt out. Who knows? But, yeah, maybe it is just the role in the directing and the whatever. And Jamie Lee, I would give her pretty good props for this one. I also really enjoyed Nadia's role. I don't remember what the actor's name was. Actress. Let me just pull it up here quickly so we, uh, Nadia, um, played by uh, Joanna uh, Pakula. Yeah, she did a good job, I think. She was very intense. She really gave believability to the situation, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, And the Baldwinator. So what would you give it overall? What would you give the Baldwinator? The Baldwinator. I give him a 10 out of 10 for looking like Alec. (laughs) For looking like Alec Baldwin, for sure. They could do a total, like, reboot of Beetlejuice or... They could have done like a, mm. yeah, they could have done another Beetlejuice, plopped him in, and nobody would have known the difference. What's the age difference between the two, I wonder. Anyways, mm-hmm. maybe it was Baldwin's kid. <gasps> no. no. I'm just kidding. No. Just kidding. Definitely not. Anyways. So, what were you giving it out of 10 then, generally, like overall? I'd give it maybe a seven. Ooh, you're six, seven. I don't know. Yeah. Six, seven. I went six and a half. So, seven, you're a point, half point above six me. Six and a half. All right. Well, someone's got to be the. I'm going to give it a Well, we've never really done, like, numerical rating systems on Film Friday, so we don't really need to start doing that. But, you know, nice to know generally what you would give it. Five smiley faces and two high fives. (laughs) (laughs) Two squeaky spanks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. It punches through the torso. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this movie. Yeah. If you've seen it, if you want to see it, now listen (laughs) to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. If it was a ton of spoilers and you still want to see it, great. And you made it through listening to this, you'd still have fun watching it for sure. But we'd love to hear what you guys think, especially about some of the conversations regarding alternate life forms and just how they like may or may not exist because that was kind of the juicy the juicy nugget for this movie you know it is a a fiction film but always always brings up fun questions of real world paranormal for us so yeah we i really enjoyed getting back on the mic here for film friday yeah looking forward to doing uh doing some more do you want to maybe tee up the next one so people have time to check it out Oh, oh, the next movie? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if we fully decided that. Or... Oh, yes, we did. Future World. Okay, did you want to go with that one? Okay, so I do want to go with that one, but I felt like you were hesitant I'm it, definitely so. not hesitant. Yeah, it's check actually, it out, guys. And I believe it's the 70s, 79 or something? Early 80s, maybe late 70s. Yeah, might be 70s, Future early 80s. Future World. It's definitely available on Tubi. It may be available on YouTube. Check it out and stay tuned for the next Film Friday, because mm-hmm. that's a weird one, too. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. Jarrett Cornelius is our newest Patreon producer. So shout out to Jarrett. Thank you so much. Adam Kellums, as always, Mm -hmm. and Kitsune. Thank you so much, Really appreciate all of you. All of you and uh, all of you listening to the show. All of the listeners. All of you. We love (laughs) you. Love you. Hit us up on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast and on Twitter at Into the Portal 1. And until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bizarre.